Um, we're actually in part two of a four-part teaching series that we're calling Escape Room. And what we've been looking at is the subject of temptation. We all have temptations in our life, temptations to, to get off the beaten path, to do the wrong thing. Um, I've never done a series on temptation before. I've done sermons on temptation, but never a whole series. So what we're doing is we're really diving deep. And last week was kind of foundational. If you want to go back and listen to that one, you can. Today's going to be very practical. Um, next week's going to be one of my favorites. We're actually going to be talking about how the Holy Spirit is actually the only one who gives you the power to fully resist temptation. Um, and then week four, we're actually going to be talking about this concept that's throughout the Bible that's really powerful if you get it, which is what you feed in your life grows and what you starve dies, whether good or bad. We're going to talk about that in depth. So what I'd love to do today is I would like for every one of you to look at today's teaching through the lens of maybe one or two of your greatest temptations. Okay? So through the lens today, what we're talking about, look at this whole thing. Every time we do an illustration, as I'm talking, think about it through the lens of maybe one of your greatest struggles. On your outline there, there's a spot at the top to write it. If, some, if you want to write it down as you're thinking about it, go ahead and write it down so you can be thinking about it through that lens. If it's something that's really nasty and hairy and you don't want your neighbor to look at it and go, oh, God, then don't put it down, that's fine. Just leave it, that's fine, just think about it in your brain. But just think about that for a minute. And I don't know what it would be for some of you, but um, you know, for some of you it might be, you know what, I'm, I'm really vulnerable to, uh, to uh, certain addictions, uh, whether it be smoking or, or alcohol or even food, things like that. Um, some of you it's overspending. I purchased this thing and I don't have any money left, but I'm gonna purchase this thing anyway, uh, again, and you dig yourself into a hole. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's a substance, like I said, and, and this is incredibly common in our world. Um, so, you know, we all know today that maybe there's something in a bottle or there's something um, that you smoke that makes you feel better, that gets you to that place of satisfaction momentarily, but really, in the end, it promises nothing but emptiness. But what is it for you? Some of you can't literally go five minutes without certain things invading your mind, but just think about that. What is it for you? Everybody has something, something you're battling with, because the reality is that so many people are battling with stuff, and um, let me hit a few more. I mean, some of you are tempted to criticize. That's one of your sins. Um, you've made it almost a spiritual gift, that thing of criticism, where you actually walked in here and you found 10 things wrong with this church in the first five minutes. Um, you have the gift of criticism. You're very good at it. You can pick anything apart. Um, some of you are going to kick back today, and you're going to feel and think in your mind, you know, I'm really glad that he's talking about this today, because the person next to me really needs to hear it. You're the one who probably needs it the most, so just write down pride with a capital P <laughs> right there. Um, everybody has one, and the people that uh, don't think they have a temptation or a weakness, those are the ones that always fall the hardest and the fastest. That's what we talked about last week, but just think about that and listen to today's teaching through the lens of whatever that struggle is for you. So I'm going to revisit again today our key text. We looked at it last week. We're going to look at it every week because it's the theme of our series. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it's a verse that has a lot of truth in it, but also uh, a lot of hope. So here's what Paul says. He says, if you think you're standing firm, in other words, those, those of you who say, I don't have a problem, this is easy. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. We all know that pride comes before the fall. It's true almost every time. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except, if you want to join me in saying it out loud, except what is common to mankind. In other words, to be human is to be vulnerable. To be human is to be tempted, because it happens to every single one of us. 
Don't ever think that you're above it because the moment that you think you're above temptation and you're not going to fall to it is the very moment that often you're attacked the most. For example, okay, disclaimer, what I'm about to share as an illustration for this, it, I don't necessarily believe it's a sin, okay? Um, you've heard me talk about it enough. I think that peanut M&Ms are a gift from God, okay? But I'm going to talk about it through that lens because I, I think that it will really click for you and you'll understand this concept, okay, of how this works. I think you're just going to get it. So I went through this period of time where I was consuming so much sweets and so much sugar in my life, um, and I could do it because it wasn't showing up because, you know, I, I have a metabolism, I exercise a lot, things like that. But the problem is I have a lot of people in my life who go their whole life eating nothing but garbage. And the problem with that is by the end of their life, it's cut short a little bit because things start to not work as well and things like that. And so I just, this is just for me personally, I made this commitment that I want to eat less of that because I'm not exaggerating, guys. I could eat four donuts in one sitting and I would often. I could take one of those big bags of candy that we'd get from Costco and I would eat the whole bag in one day. And so one thing that we had to do in my house, because I, it was just too much sugar, is I had, we had to eliminate it altogether. So we just stopped buying that stuff. So it's not there, not tempted, right? And I actually literally, believe it or not, got to this place where I don't even crave dessert anymore. Now, if you're talking about nacho cheese or popcorn, that's different. Um, I struggle with that still. But I really got to this point where as far as the sweets and the dessert go, I, I don't really struggle with it at all. Until a couple weeks ago, when my wife Amy brought home a gigantic bag of peanut M&Ms. And you know the massive bag I'm talking about. Like you could literally put one in each hand and do a curl workout. They're that big. And so I, I'm home alone, which is never good in a tempting situation. And so I go and I open the pantry because I'm looking for something to eat. And it's just sitting there right at eye level. Like I didn't buy it. I didn't, I didn't put it there. It's just sitting there. And there's like lights shining on it and this aura around it. And, and I just hear, ah, right? And it's just sitting right there. And so, like any temptation, you can relate this to yours, don't judge me. So, I close the pantry really fast, and I do this weird thing where I, I walk into the back room on the other side of the house, and I just stand there, and I just think for a minute. And so, here's the thing that's going through my head, the thought process of, uh, I really want to go eat those. How did they end up there? I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> um, and so here's how the process works, guys, and you can, you can connect the dots here. So I, I all of a sudden realize, you know what, I'm just going to go back in there and open the pantry again because maybe it's not actually there. Maybe I'm just seeing things. So I go back in there, I open the door, and sure enough, it's still right there, staring me in the face. And so then I'm thinking, and I'm staring at it, and things, I, I kind of go into fantasy land, like they melt in your mouth, not in your hand. And I'm just seeing everything in red and green, and I'm just having this craving inside that I can't shake. And so then I think, you know what? It's no big deal. Like, I want to model servanthood to my wife and kids. These bags are really hard to open. Have you tried them? So I'm just going to open it for them so it's ready when they get home. So I open the bag, and then I'm just looking down. And so then I say, you know what? I'm just going to run my fingers through them. I'm just going to run my fingers through them <laughs> to see how they feel as they run through my fingers and fall back into the bag. And then 20 minutes later, Amy comes home. She finds me on the couch, and the bag's 80% gone. <laughs> Giant bag. 80% gone, and I would have eaten every single last one of them in one sitting if my lovely wife had not come home. <laughs> the point is, the moment you think you're standing firm, is what this verse is saying, is when you are very, very vulnerable to go down the path you don't want to go down. Those who say, I don't really need this today, I don't struggle with this, this isn't my thing, you need it the most of all. So listen in. 
Because the reality is that so many people, we talked about this last week, feel so incredibly guilty when they're tempted to sin. But remember, temptation is not a sin. The Bible makes that very clear multiple times. Jesus himself was tempted. All humans are tempted. The temptation is not the sin. That's not the wrong thing, okay? And so a lot of people, what happens is they feel tempted all the time to do the wrong thing, and so then they start to feel shame, and they start to feel bad about themselves, and I'm such a failure as a Christian, and I was tempted again. To be human is to be tempted. Let me just throw that out there. Coming to Christ, for those of us that have, does not mean the absence of temptation. It means that now you have the power to declare war on temptation. That's what it means. It's not the absence of it. And the good news is you don't have to fight alone. That's what coming to Jesus is all about. You're no longer in this alone. Here's what Paul says. If we continue on, next verse, verse 13. He says, and God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, our God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And this is amazing news. Whenever you are tempted... Any time, any day, any place, whenever you are tempted to do something that hurts the heart of God, that hurts you, that hurts somebody else, that is contrary to what he would have you do, he says what? There is always a way out so you can endure it. Always a way out. And so if you're here today and you feel, and it's most of us really, we all have something, like you're gripped by something and there's something that's taking you over, there's something that every time that temptation comes along, you just can't seem to shake it, God is going to show you that there's always a way out. Because it's a promise from his word. Every single time you're tempted, he'll give you a way out. So today we're going to get practical. Today I want to talk about how do we resist temptation. How do we do it? How do we become successful at that? And in order to understand how we resist temptation, we first have to understand the process of temptation. How do temptations come our way? How does that work? So let's talk about that for a minute. There's really five steps every single time you're tempted to sin, every single time you're tempted to do something contrary to what God would have you do. There's really five steps that you go through. And you can go through these five steps in a matter of days, weeks, months, or even a year before you get to the end, which is the sin. Sometimes you can go through all five steps in a matter of just a few moments, very quickly. So the first step every time is there's just a thought. It always starts with a thought. Then there's something called imagination. Well, now I didn't just let the thought under my head. Now I'm actually imagining doing it and the benefits it will bring. Then the third one is justification. And then you have a choice, because there's always a choice. And when we make the choice, that's the deciding factor with whether we go back or whether we, number five, sin. Okay? So let me run through this with the M&Ms, just so you get it. Thought. I'd really like an M&M. Imagination. I just picture them melting in my mouth, not in my hand. Glory to God, right? (laughs) Justification. Yeah, I really haven't had any in weeks. It's not really going to be a big deal if I just open it and have a few. What's the big deal? Choice. You know, I'm just going to run my fingers through the bag because I just want to remember what they feel like. Sin. Thought. Again, I'm picking really small things. Okay, I'm going to get to bigger things. Let's just say that for you, it would be a really bad idea for you to go out today and buy a new outfit. Now, why would that be a bad thing? It's not a bad thing, but it would be a bad thing maybe if, well, I already have 30 I just bought that I haven't even worn, then it'd be a bad thing. I just spent every last penny I had on those 30, and now I'm going to go buy another one. That would be a bad thing. You see what I'm saying? So let me run you through the process. Thought. You know, I don't really feel good about myself. I'd really like a new outfit. Imagination. Oh, I can just see the Facebook, Instagram post now. 
I get to see the comments they make when they see me in the outfit. It's like, oh, you look good, girl. <laughs> Hashtag good looking. Smiley face, smiley face, kissy face, fire, fire, lit. <laughs> I can just see it, just how it's going to play out. It's going to be amazing. Justification. Well, you know, I haven't bought one since Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Choice. You know, I'm just going to go online and just kind of see if there's any sales going on. Oh, 25% off, sin. <laughs> you see how the process works? Thought. I'm really bored. Imagination. You know, I looked at some stuff on the computer last week that really excited me. Justification. Nobody's going to find out about it except me. I'm the only one. It's really not that big a deal. Who is it hurting? Choice. Click, 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 sin. You see how the process works? So where does it start? It always starts with a thought. Always with a thought. And we need to recognize that what happens in those first critical moments in the process of temptation actually matters more than you can imagine. Because it's way easier to catch it at the thought than it is at the choice. So we need to understand this process. It's so important. What we're going to do is we're going to decide ahead of time, guys, those of us that want to be wise, before the temptation even comes in certain areas, we're going to decide ahead of time how to resist temptation so that we don't fall into something that hurts the heart of God, hurts others, and hurts us. That's destructive. So how do we fight our way out? Let's look at a verse. It's in James chapter 4. It's verse 7, and it tells us two things to do to fight temptation. The first thing, if you're taking notes, this is how we're going to fight. We are first going to fight by submitting to God. Okay, you're going to submit to God. Let's look at what James says. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's interesting because I always thought resisting the devil or fighting against temptation should be your first step, the first thing you do. But that's not what James says. He says the first thing you need to do is submit to God. Why do you think that is? Because you don't have the power to fight it by yourself. So if you're not submitted to God, you don't have the strength to do it. So that's what you have to do. Submit to God. Your fleshly uh, sinful nature that we all have is too weak. You need to depend on Jesus in order to win against it. You're not designed to live the victorious life alone. You're meant to live it with his help, and we'll get into that. And that's why, like last week we said, every temptation is actually an invitation to depend on Christ for his strength in your life. So what does this mean to you, to submit to God? Because it can mean different things to different people in this room. So for some of you, submitting to God might be just acknowledging that, yeah, this thing in my life is a sin. I've seen in the Word that it is. I've been told it is. I, I recognize that it is, but I never really admitted it. So I'm just going to finally admit and acknowledge that this thing in my life is wrong. This is a sin. Sometimes that's, that's the first step. Because, guys, we live in a society of master justifiers, right? Some of you have said these phrases. We all have. We've heard these phrases. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. I mean, is it really wrong if I feel like it, if it makes me feel good? It's just who I am. It's not going to really hurt anybody besides myself. It's just this one little thing that I got going on. God will, you know, let that slide. It's not a big deal. Nobody else knows about it. Listen, here's the, here's the part that's going to come out a little harsh, but we don't sugarcoat it. We share all the word here. So, Anything that is inconsistent with what God's word says for you to do and is contrary to that or opposite of that is sinful behavior. Period. And I'm only talking to the Christians. The Bible also talks about how non-Christians are not to be held to Christian standards. But those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, 
That's what it is. And so some of you, maybe you do know that there's wrong in your life. You do know there's sin in your life, like many of us do, but you're too proud to ask for help. Well, I can handle it on my own. I'm strong enough. I don't need anybody to help me. I don't need to let anybody in on it. You're not meant to do it alone. People that try to do it alone almost always fail, and they don't come out strong in the end. It's not weakness to depend on other people. It's the only place where actual strength comes from. And it's a lie. The other way's a lie. Because, you know, I'm so easily distracted, guys. <laughs> I have to make submitting to God a daily thing. Daily. Because it's like, God, I, I'm here for you. I'm serving you today. I want to make today all about you. And I say that every, almost every morning. But then it's like, oh, you know. <laughs> and it's just squirrel, right? And it's distracting. It's distracting. So it has to be for me a daily, every single day thing. And so this is how I start my day every day. And you can adopt this if you want, but it really helps me. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I go to the bathroom because that's the way God made me and that's okay. He understands. And then after that, I, I do my Bible reading, my little Bible reading plan, and I, and I read my verses. By the way, just for a few minutes, guys, I want to throw that out there because some of you think, um, well, I have to read like for an hour every morning or I have, and then you, so you try to bite off these huge chunks to get your, your daily Bible reading time in and then it's too big of a goal and so you fall off and you never do it. I'm telling you, the pastor only does a few minutes every morning. It's always better to do a few minutes every day of the year than to try to bite off this impossible goal and then fall off the wagon. So try that. I'm just daring you. To ever, nobody doesn't have two minutes every morning. Nobody. Nobody, ha nobody doesn't have that. Um, and so I do that, and then I pray, and I pray through a list of things that, that I have to pray for that day, some of the requests that some of you have submitted, things like that, and then I pray some personal things. And then I pray a very specific prayer, and it's a little different every time because it's from the heart, but it goes something like this every single morning before I leave the house. It's, Lord, today I submit myself to you. And not just part of me, but all of me. Before I walk out that door, I submit myself to you. I want you to guide my decisions I don't want to make any choices that are contrary to choices you'd have me make. And so I want to submit all of me to you. I want to submit my feet to you so that everywhere I go, I'm serving you. I want to submit my hands to you so that what I do honors you. I want to submit my eyes to you so that I only see things that are, that are things you'd want me to see. I submit my ears to you so that I could hear things the way that you would hear them because I often hear them wrong. I'm going to submit my mind to you so that I only think about things that are admirable, praiseworthy, and excellent like the word says. I'm going to submit my heart to you. Would you give me cares and compassion for the things that you care about and are compassionate about? I just submit my whole self to you today, and then I walk out the door. Every day. That is a daily prayer, though, guys, because honestly, I need it daily. And here's the truth. When I do that, it's a lot easier for me to resist temptation that day. And you know, the few times I skip it, I become a lot more vulnerable. And it's a lot more difficult for me to resist temptation that day. I have to daily submit to God. And so here's what happens. What is temptation? Remember last week. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction, but at the cost of obedience to God. Okay? So temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. Hey, this is going to feel good. This is going to make you happy. This is going to make it okay. But it's actually disobeying God, and that's a cost. That's temptation. So if you do this, if you smoke this, if you drink that, if you do this, if you say that, if you hit this person, whatever, that's going to give me satisfaction, but it's at the cost of obedience to God. But listen to this. Every single one of you, every morning, 
you have a choice to say out loud what you're going to rely on that day. So you can say, you know what, I'm going to rely on what's in this bottle or I'm going to rely on God. You can say, I'm going to rely on something that I smoke because it helps me and relaxes me or I can rely on God. I can take a God-given sexual desire because those are gifts from God, guys. I don't know if you heard that in church before. But I can execute it in a non-God-honoring way. Or I can rely on God. I can live by God's standards or the world's standards. And guys, we live in a world that (laughs) the temptations and the distractions are so appealing that if I don't daily submit myself to Him first thing in the morning, it's a real struggle. So I'm encouraging you to do the same. It's, It's what has saved me. And again, when I am submitted to God, it's easier to resist temptation. When I'm not, I become more vulnerable by far. So what do we do? The first thing we do, again, is submit ourselves to God. We submit ourselves to God. The second thing, if you're taking notes, it's obvious, it's in the same verse, we resist the devil. We submit ourselves to God, and then we resist the devil. How many of you have heard somebody say, uh, yeah, I just couldn't resist. You know, I, I, just, I just couldn't resist. There was no way I could resist. Listen to me. You're right if you don't have Jesus. But with Christ, you can resist. With Christ, you can resist. Because there's always a way out. So you can endure it. You'll never be tempted beyond what you can bear. Let me say it again. And anytime you guys want to say amen or act like you actually care, you go ahead and do it. So, with Christ, you can resist. Okay, you're with me. This is what James says. Again, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'll illustrate it like this. As a young boy, I grew up in a place that was not Visalia, but it was a place that had creatures roaming around near our house, such as mountain lions, bobcats, coyotes, creatures like that, just roaming free. And uh, so often when we're out playing or hiking, we would see one off in the distance. Never really close because, you know, they don't actually like to get close to you if they can see you first. But one day I remember I was out hiking near our house, and all of a sudden I stopped in my tracks because not even from me to that chair over there, there's a bobcat, and he's snarling. And my parents used to show me animal life documentaries, and so I knew what he could do to me. <laughs> and so I thought, you know what, I have a few choices here. I can run away and get clawed from behind. I can climb this tree right here and get clawed up the tree. Or you know what, maybe I'll do this because it's a little risky, but I am bigger than him. So maybe I'll look him right in the eye and try to scare him. So I just literally went, ah! (laughs) And you know, he turned around and walked away. Dead serious. So... When temptation comes at us in the form of a a bobcat or a lion, you know, because it says Satan often comes at us as a a, uh, roaring lion. See the tie-in right there? Don't tell me cats are not of the devil, by the way. Um, (laughs) Whenever you see that enemy coming up, if you're new here, I'm a dog person, not a cat person. Um, When you see the enemy coming up, with every bit of faith inside of you, you look it in the eye and you say, because you're bigger with Christ in you. And Christ in you is greater and stronger than the wrong desires in you. So you stand up against it and you resist the devil, who the Bible also says, by the way, doesn't have any power over you when you're in Christ. Some people people think 
because I hear it sometimes. Oh, the devil made me do it, or the devil has power over me, or man, he really got inside me. He can't exist in you if Christ is in you, guys. That doesn't exist. The Bible makes that clear. So I just want to clarify that. We don't have time to get into all that. But So in a very real sense, when you're attacked like that, you need to just roar back and stand up with everything inside of you and realize that greater is he that is in me than is in the world. That's scripture, by the way. You're quoting it. You recognize that Christ is stronger than the wrong desires inside of you. And you acknowledge and recognize also, guys, that we're in a war. Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground. And there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Ephesians says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of this world. But what we do, literally, it says, is we actually fight these battles with weapons that are so powerful they're not of this world. And as a Christian, God makes those weapons available to you. And we don't talk about that enough, that these things are available to you. And our weapons, it says, have the divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are anything that holds you hostage. And you can just break down the walls and move on with these weapons. So you have these powerful weapons. What kind of weapons? Well, we have the power of prayer. We don't do that enough, guys. That means you can literally petition the creator of the universe and he hears your words every time and listens. Doesn't mean he always answers prayers exactly as you want because he knows better, but he hears your words and you're allowed to petition him. Not only that, but the Bible makes it clear you don't even no longer have to go through a priest or a pastor. You can do it directly from anywhere. And that's incredible. What else do we have? We have the helmet of salvation, meaning no matter what happens on this earth, even if we're wiped from it, we live forever. We have the uh, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which it says can quench the fiery darts of the evil one. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have the belt of truth. Our shoes are prepared with the gospel of the readiness of peace. So what that means, guys, is that whenever temptation comes our way, the only proper response for the Christian should be, I was expecting you. We're so surprised when temptation comes our way. Really, the proper response should be, I was expecting you. I'm ready. I got this because Christ is in me. Preparation is the key, though, guys, and we'll get into that in a minute. So you say, I've submitted to God. God is with me today. I've pre-decided not to give in. I've said that out loud to God before my day began, before I left the house. I've said that. And here's a powerful thought. If you're taking notes, you could jot this down. It's not on the screen. One of the best ways to resist temptation is actually to eliminate it whenever you can. I'm going to say that again. One of the best ways to resist temptation is to eliminate it whenever you can. Can you, can you eliminate every temptation in your life? Absolutely not. Can you eliminate some of them instead of fighting against them? Can you wipe them out? Yeah, you can. And I'm going to show you how practically in a minute. But here's an example from Scripture. Solomon is giving his own son some advice here. And uh, it's in Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 14. And <laughs> these verses crack me up because this is a father telling his son this, who's not getting it. So here's what he says to basically stay out of temptation. He says, son, don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. And the son's like, what's he even saying? Don't even set your foot on the path. Don't even do that. What does that mean? That means don't even do it. It means stay away from it. Now watch, watch this, son. In case you aren't paying attention, I'm going to say it a few different ways now. Avoid it. Oh, you still don't get it? Don't travel on it. Oh, you still don't get it? Go your own way. Hey, are you listening to me, boy? Listen to me, stupid. Pay attention because you're not getting it. 
Avoid it. Steer clear of it. Don't step on it and try to fight the temptation. Get off the road completely. That's what he's saying. Eliminate it. You know that path that leads to evil almost every time? Avoid it. Turn away from it. Walk somewhere else. Don't get on the road. (sighs) No, I don't think you're listening to me, son. Run, Forrest, run. Get your butt out of Dodge. Get off the road. I think he really wanted him to get this because I think it's important. Get away from it. Don't get close to it. One of the best ways to resist temptation is not to fight against it, but to eliminate it whenever possible. In fact, I'll be real honest with you, and I hope that you're not disillusioned by this. And I'll tell you the truth, though, because I always do. And there's people in this room who can back this up, but it's 100% true. Before I was actually a pastor, I was a human. Because <laughs> I know some of you like elevate pastors way up here when really they're just as human as you. Before my Bible hovered above my desk and I glowed in the dark, <laughs> I was just a man. Guys, it's human to be tempted. And I'm tempted just as much as you. And in fact, it says Jesus was tempted. And we're going to get to that in a second. That's how we're going to close. But the point is, I am man. I vulnerable. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys know this, but men can be very vulnerable visually. It's like, um, you know, we're walking along trying to be good to God, and it's like, oh, you know, like men are, and I know that women are too sometimes, and I get that, but I just know that um, as a man, I could be very vulnerable to look at the wrong things. And so what I did is I decided that rather than facing that temptation, and the moment that I made this decision, I wasn't even being tempted by it, by the way, but I wanted to decide ahead of time, before the temptation came my way, in a moment of weakness or vulnerability, I want to eliminate that temptation before it comes. And so here's what I did. I put this little thing on my computer that cannot be removed without it alerting somebody. And what it does is, if there's even any remotely inappropriate internet browsing that I were to do, it immediately sends it in detail to two different people via email. One of them is a good friend of mine who has no problem calling me up that minute and kicking my butt because he loves me, by the way. And the other one is actually an elder in this church who has the authority to get me fired. Now, let me ask you a question. Knowing that, do you think I'm going to go on my computer and look at something inappropriate? Heck no. Even in a moment of weakness, it's not going to happen. Do you see what I did there? Before the temptation even came my way, I'm eliminating it. You know what this is? It's called a smartphone. It's not a dumb phone. (laughs) It can do more things than some of you ever imagined possible. And you need to know that, especially if you're giving these to your kids. You know what I heard this called one time by some guy? This is porn in your pocket. That's what he called it. It's porn in your pocket. Because you can access anything from here that you can access from a computer. Some of you are like, I didn't know you could access that on your smartphone. I just gave one to my 10-year-old. Yeah, you can. Do your research. Put the right apps on there. Put the right blocks on there. I also put something on here. This is a very smart phone. I have one of the smartest. Here's the thing, though. My phone doesn't do everything that some of your phones does because there's an app on it that cannot be removed, again, without a code that I don't even know. There's certain apps that I cannot download on here. There's not an unfiltered browser on here, meaning It's the same thing. Anytime I browse anything on here, if it's inappropriate, it goes to those two guys in that moment. Why? Because I'm eliminating it before it even comes. I don't want to be there. 
I don't want to fall like so many men fall, especially in my line of work. And so here's the thing, because some of you are thinking right now, because I, I, I just know it. Some of you are thinking, my gosh, Jared, are you that weak? But you know what? There's other people in the room saying, man, is he that wise? Because that's wisdom to recognize where weakness can come your way and eliminate it instead of trying to fight it off when you're in a vulnerable moment. Because honestly, guys, I'm going to get a little raw here. I love my wife. And, and, and I love my calling and my job, and I've got a lot to lose. And I know that one day, even though I'm not feeling that temptation at the moment, I could be vulnerable. We're all susceptible to it. None of us are above it. I could be in a weak moment, whatever. So why in the world would I resist temptation in the future when I could eliminate it today? And that's a question we all need to ask ourselves for all the things we struggle with. If it's possible, why in the world would I resist temptation in the future when I could eliminate it today? So how does this play out in your life? I'm going to use some really cheesy examples to let you, help you get it, and I'll use some serious ones as well. So let's say that you can't sit down with chips without eating 20 straight bags of chips. So when you go to the grocery store, don't go to the chip aisle, go to the toilet paper aisle because ain't no bad going to happen in the toilet paper aisle. <laughs> Avoid it. Stay off the path. Are you understanding? You got a problem with alcohol, don't go to the bar. I can't tell you how many people I work with who struggle with alcohol and they're like, yeah, well, you know, all my friends were going, so I just went. Don't go there. That's where you've fallen every time you've fallen. Avoid the path. If you're addicted to drugs or you've been addicted to drugs, don't hang around with people who are smoking and shooting stuff. Avoid it because that's, where, that's how you eliminate the temptation. And eliminate it before it comes. Guys, if every time you go to the gym, you are tempted like, oh gosh, yoga pants, yoga pants. Don't go to the gym. <laughs> work out at home. There's all kinds of ways to work out at home nowadays. There's apps on your phone. There's all kinds of stuff. Work out somewhere else. If you're at work and you're about to do something really wrong and have an affair with somebody, switch departments. Or if this is what it takes, switch jobs. Are you serious? That's drastic. I'm dead serious. I can't tell you how many people have sat in my office with a life that was completely destroyed who have said out loud, in hindsight, it would have been better for me to be unemployed than to do what I did. Eliminate it. No matter what it takes, it's not worth it if the temptation's there. I am so serious. If you're a technology freak that I'm not that smart about, and you know some way that I'm not familiar with to get around these things that you put on your phone, then don't have a smartphone. Have a dumb phone. Get a flip phone. <laughs> Are you serious? Nobody has a flip phone anymore. It's not worth it. It's not worth it if that's a struggle for you. It's just not worth it. Trust me. One of the best ways to resist temptation is to decide ahead of time, why would I resist it later when I could eliminate it now? when I could put distance between myself and it now, when I could put a wall between myself and it now so that it, if it ever even comes, I can't get through to it. And again, you can't do that with every temptation, but many of them you can. So then the question is, what do you do, though, when you do all that, and then there's some temptation that shocks you, surprises you, jumps out of nowhere, you prepared for it, but it's still there. Like when you open up the pantry door, you had the rule, but there they are because the wife brought them home. <laughs> what do you do? Well, we're going to talk about that in the upcoming weeks. But there's several things you can do. You can throw them away. You can destroy them. You can run away. Some of you have something you need to run away from every time it comes up. Um, you can quote scripture out loud. That's very underestimated, the power of that, guys. 
I dare you, try quoting Scripture up, uh, out loud in those moments. I had a friend here in the church who was struggling with some things in the evenings. And he said, what do I do? I said, text me every night that you're having that struggle. He texts me. I sent him back four specific passages of Scripture to, to, to read out loud to himself. He never fell once in the last three weeks. There's power in saying those words out loud, guys. And you know, one of the things that I do more often, though, when that temptation jumps out at me and I don't get it right every time, I have to be honest, but the times that I do get it right is I immediately let somebody I trust know. I call up, text a buddy, hey, this thing just hit me, this temptation. Guys, sin grows best in the dark. And when you let sin into the light, it diminishes its power. It doesn't have as much power. We're meant to bring those we trust in on it, and that way we have more power, we have more strength. And then I always take it to Jesus. So the moment it becomes a thought, guys, the moment it becomes a thought, I'm already prepared. My mind is already submitted to Christ today. I've already agreed not to say that, not to look at that, not to do that, whatever it is. And then I immediately, when it becomes a thought, go to Jesus or go to somebody, and that gives it more power to resist. Because I know what Hebrews 2.18 says, which is this, Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted. So stop feeling guilty when you feel tempted. Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted. And because of that, though, here's the awesome part, he is able to help those of us who are being tempted. That just said there, take it to Jesus. Jesus can help you when you're tempted because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He gets it. He can empathize. The Jesus I know is not sitting at the right hand of God saying, oh, he tripped up again. The Jesus I know is sitting at the right hand of God saying, I can help you. <laughs> Bring it to me. I can help you. I'm actually the only thing that can help you, believe it or not. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And so instead of feeling shame and guilt and condemnation, we should feel hope. Why? Because our God is faithful even when we're faithless. He always gives us a way out so we can endure. And that's just a beautiful truth to recognize today.